Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox and I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I'd like to welcome you to my January 2018 podcast series of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. But first, a word about this month's sponsor, Conversant. Conversant brings a different kind of ethics and compliance solution to your organization. These days, business success demands something different, a corporate culture centered on integrity and ethical behavior. Conversant provides your teams with a centralized platform and automated processes that connect your business goals with your ethics and values. The result, a highly strategic program that drives ethics and values to the center of your business. Through the use of the Conversant Ethics Cloud platform, it gives you the choice of what you need according to your compliance program maturity. As your compliance program progresses on its ethical journey, Conversant can meet the needs of your requirements with unified ease of use and all of your ethics compliance data in one place, increasing transparency and efficiency while reducing cost. If you have been following me over the past year, you know that I have gone on a one-year exploration of various components of a best practices compliance program. However, during this exploration, there were two very important documents released by the Department of Justice relating to a best practices compliance program. In February 2017, there was the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs document, and in November 2017, there was the announcement of the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy. Therefore, in this month of January, I'm going to lay out for you what should go into your best practices compliance program based upon the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program and these two documents. Over the next 31 days, I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize a compliance program using the most recent DOJ resources. I hope you will join me for the full 31 days as we engage in an exploration to a more effective compliance program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 17, Managing Your Third Parties. The building blocks of any anti-corruption compliance program lay the foundations for a best practices program. For instance, in the life cycle management of third parties, most compliance practitioners understand the need for a business justification, questionnaire, due diligence, evaluation, and compliance terms and conditions in the contract. However, as many companies mature in their compliance program, the issue of third-party management becomes more important. It is also one of the areas where the rubber meets the road of operationalization of compliance. It is also an area the DOJ specifically articulated in the evaluation of corporate compliance programs that companies need to consider. In an issue of supply chain management, Mark Trowbridge provided useful insights into the management of the third-party relationship. While the focus of the article was having a strategic approach to contract management, the author's five ways to start professionalizing your approach to outsourcing contracts was an excellent manner to consider the steps in the management of third-party relationships in an anti-corruption compliance program. The key is to have a strategic approach on how you manage and structure your third-party relationships. This means more closely partnering with your third parties to manage anti-corruption compliance risk. It would certainly lead towards enabling your company to control risk while optimizing the performance of your third parties. Number one, consolidate third parties but retain redundancy. 
it is incumbent that consolidation in your third-party relationships to a smaller number to yield better cost leverage. From the compliance perspective, it also should make the entire third-party lifecycle easier to manage, particularly steps one through four. However, a company must not over-consolidate by going down to a single-source supplier. If you build a diversified supply base through the dual sourcing, from, from the compliance perspective, you may want to have a primary and secondary third party that you work with in a service line or geographic area to retain this redundancy. Two, keep tabs on subcontracted work. This is one area that requires an appropriate level of compliance management. If you direct your contracting, if your direct contracting party has the right or will need to subcontract out some work. You need to have visibility in the, into this from the compliance perspective. You will need to require and monitor that your direct third-party relationship has approved compliance terms and conditions in their contracts with their subcontractors. You shall also need to test this proposition. In other words, you must require, trust, and then verify. Next, <clears throat> when disaster strikes, make sure your company is legally protected. This is where your compliance terms and conditions will come into play. One of the things that I advocate is full indemnity if your third parties violate the FCPA and your company is dragged into an investigation because of the third party's actions. Such an indemnity may not be worth too much, but if you do not have one, there will be no chance to recoup any of your legal or investigative costs. Another important clause is that any FCPA violation is a material breach of contract. This means that you can uh, terminate the contract immediately with no requirement for notice and cure. Once again, you may be somewhat constrained by local laws, but if you do not have this clause, you will have to give written notice and an opportunity for the contracting party to cure. This notice and cure provision may be too long to satisfy the DOJ or SEC during the pendency of an FCPA investigation. Finally, you need a clause that requires the third party to cooperate in any FCPA investigation. This means that you must cooperate in your designated investigate they must cooperate with your invest designated investment team, but they must also cooperate with US governmental authorities. You will also need the ability to move between third parties if the need arises. This is the redundancy issue raised above. If you don't want to be stuck with no approved freight forwarders or other transporters in a certain geographic area. If a compliance-related matter occurs, you may well need certain contractual rights to move your work and require the prime third party to cooperate in the transition. Next, keeping track of your third party's financial stabilities. This is one area not usually discussed in the compliance arena around third parties, but it seems almost self-evident. You can certainly imagine the disruption that could occur if you're a prime third-party supplier in a country or region went bankrupt, but in a compliance realm, this is an untoward red flag that is raised in certain circumstances. Those third parties under financial pressure may be more easily persuaded to engage in bribery and corruption than third parties that stand on a more solid financial footing. You can do this by simple requirement that third party provide annual audited financial statements. For a worldwide logistic company's company, this should be something easily accomplished. You should take advantage of automated financial tracking tools to keep track of material changes in your third party's financial stability. You should also use your in-house relationship manager to regularly visit key third party relationships so on an on-the-ground assessment can be a part of the ongoing conversation between your company and the your third parties.
Finally, formalize incentives for third-party performance. One of the key elements for any third-party contract is the compensation issue. If the commission rate is too high, it could create a very large pool of money that could be used to pay bribes. It is mandatory that your company link any commission or payment to the performance of the third party. If you have long-term stable relationships with third parties, you can tie compensation into the long-term performance, specifically long-term compliance performance. This requires the third party to put skin in the compliance game so that you have a vested so they have a vested financial interest in getting things done in compliance and with the FCPA or other anti-corruption compliance regimes. By linking compensation to performance, there should be an increase in third-party performance. This is especially valuable when agreed-upon KPIs can be, can be tracked accurately. This would seem to be low-hanging fruit for the compliance practitioner. If you cannot come up with some type of metric from the compliance perspective, you can work with your business relationship team to develop such compliance KPIs. Finally, auditing third parties. Auditing of third parties is critical to any best practices compliance program and an important tool in operationalizing your compliance program. This is a key manner in which your company can manage third-party relationships after the contract is signed and one which the government will expect you to engage in going forward. Document review and selection is important for this process, and you should ask for as much electronic information as possible as well in advance of your audit. Request things such as trial balance, charts of accounts, journey line entries, compliance policies, financial statements, bank records, etc. Managing your third parties is where the rubber meets the road in your overall risk management program. You must execute on this task even if you successfully navigate the first four steps in the third-party risk management process. Those are, in reality, the easy steps. Managing the relationship is where the real work begins. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, have a strategic approach to third-party risk management, including managing the relationship after the contract is signed. Two, risk rank third parties based on a variety of factors, including compliance and business metrics, length of relationship, benchmarking metrics, and KPIs, and from that, develop your audit plan. And finally, never forget that managing the relationship is where the real work begins. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed Day 17 in 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow where we take up the issue of internal reporting and triaging claims. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, sponsored by Conversant. I hope you will join me tomorrow, and indeed for the entire 31 days in January, while I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize your compliance program using the most recent resources the Department of Justice has communicated to us, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, and the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>